0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, September 5th, and today is a week one slate breakdown for the NFL. We got real games, real lines kicking off this week. I'm hyped. Let's fucking go. All right, everyone. Hello and welcome in to our Week 1 Slate Breakdown. It has been months since we were actually breaking down game lines that were going to be tipping off and kicking off this week. Since the NBA Finals ended, we haven't really been able to get live action on these lines. And that's the kind of stuff that really gets me going and revs my engine in this space. Of course, over the summer, go check out these podcasts if you haven't. We did things like strategy shows for the DFS space. We reviewed the rule changes in the NFL. We went through key numbers and established teaser rules. We did futures discussions. We did awards races. We even dabbled in the NBA win totals future market. But to take you guys behind the curtain, like I do enjoy that stuff, but that's not what like really gets me going. I love breaking down actual game lines. Doing slate breakdowns are by far far my most fun podcast to jump on the mic and record because we are seeing all of that stuff that we talk about in grandeur in real time and get to apply them to actual lines that we are going to bet on and try and get action in on in that very week or nearby time window so This is a very exciting podcast to record. We are going to go through every single line on the week one board, spreads and totals. We are going to go through the betting indicators. We are going to review the betting splits. We are going to talk about which key numbers relate to these sides. and We are going to give out some best bets, some spots to avoid, and pretty much break down every single game on the board. Then we are going to segue that conversation into covering the DraftKings DFS space for week one. I am going to go through the Sunday contest and pick out the high-priced spend-up players at each position and review them in conjunction with all of the betting trends that we're talking about for this week. We're going to use this betting information to break the codes of the DFS space, and we're going to play into a lot of these angles and correlate them. So we already know early in the week, I mean knock on wood, because I'm recording this right as the Travis Kelsey news seems to be dropping and changing the market, which we'll get to in, in just a second. But we, for the most part, know which players are healthy and in great matchups. So early in the week on Tuesdays, we can review the spend up players. So that's what we'll do on the DFS side. Before we get into the nitty gritty and start kicking this thing off, pun intended for football week one, let me remind you guys where you can find me, and then let me quickly review the content schedule that's coming. The The week one slate breakdown is incredibly exciting, but so is this other shit that I'm about to talk about. For one, you can find me on x.com. I'm going to make a concerted effort to stop calling it Twitter because it's no longer called Twitter. So I'm going to just try and hold myself to a standard of saying x.com better. You could find me at fiddlespicks on x.com. You could subscribe to my Substack. I just released a Substack, which is a free newsletter covering the gambling space, talking about a lot of these things, doing weekly giveaways, giving out best bet advice, and just breaking down the market about two or three times a week. So make sure you are signed up for the fiddlepicks.substack.com. Or go to my X profile and you could see the link in my bio. And the last place that you could find me, if you want to ride with me all season long, if you want to tail the fids, if you even want to think you can fade the fids, then the place to get all access to all of my bets in real time within seconds of me placing them is in the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. We are going to be pairing it up this season. So wherever you find me, I look forward to beating the books with you. Remember, it is not a question of, will I beat the books? I've done that for 11 seasons straight. We're going for the Baker. Is it Baker's dozen 13. We're going for the dozen this season. We're going for 12 straight NFL years of returning net profit. And no, there wasn't 13 years in this business. I've been doing it for 12. I've been doing it for 11 and I'm 11 for 11 going into the 12th. So it is never a question of, will I beat the books? The question is always, how much will I beat them by? So we get into that. Last season, we ended with a plus 28 units in our NFL bets. Let's make that like the the standard goal for this season. Let's see if we eclipse that this year, or let's see if we land right around there again. That that was a very standard take-home and return rate. It was over 40% ROI. So if we accomplish that again, I will be absolutely ecstatic. But, you know, we can aim for higher. We can go for some goals. So... That's where you can find me on x.com, Fiddle's Picks handle, on the newsletter at uh, fiddlepicks.substack.com, or go to my Twitter and click the link in my bio. I really recommend you guys sign up for that. That is going to be very high-value content and just give you access to free weekly giveaways. And then if you want real-time bets, the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord. Now let's quickly review the content schedule that's coming. Pretty much every single week on Tuesday, you're going to get this market review pod slate breakdown plus high spends in the DFS space. On Wednesdays, I will be joined by sports ethos great Mike LaFemina. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. I respect him too much to not know how to figure it out by this point. But hey, he respects me enough back to not really care if I mispronounce his last name. But me and Big Mike will be on the mics pretty much every Wednesday or Thursday, breaking down that showdown slate for Thursday night football. So for this week, it's the Chiefs-Lions game. We are going to do a DFS showdown slate breakdown. And then we will also go over some best bets and best props. And Mike is absolutely amazing in the DFS space. He's one of the most trusted people that I listen to. So we will also get some advice for him for the coming weekend. Thursdays or Fridays from me, you will get a value options episode. So we will check back in on the gambling market. But at this point, later in the weeks, we're going to start having injury reports. We're going to to start having situations where we know said player is going to be out and this replacement player, because injury reports and practice reports start coming out on Thursdays, that we'll know and we'll have an indication that, hey, this is a real spot to grab value. So we'll be going through the value options in the DFS slate. And then we will bring it all together in a final weekend episode which will be a core four, meaning, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan. That's why I call it the core four. Shout out Jeets and Mo and Andy Pettit and Posada. Who is it? Paul O'Neill. I don't know. There was a core four Yankees that I grew up with. And um, so Saturdays will be core four. And then final bets that are definitely placed that week. And on Sundays, I think this is a new announcement that I'm breaking right now. You'll be able to find me on a YouTube live stream. Doing sit starts, DFS, and best bet advice pretty much up to kickoff. And then I'm going to be on my own and enjoying my Sundays. So, I guess we'll be all in it together, right? We're all going to be watching Scott Hansen on YouTube TV on that Red Zone Live package. So, let's start this off and go through the week one slate breakdown. I am genuinely very, very excited to get this rolling. We are seeing movement at the top of the board right now. With the Kansas City Chiefs, so let me quickly explain how I'm going to do this. I'm going to review every single game on the Week One board using the FanDuel order of games. So I have FanDuel's odds up. I have the other websites up too, but just in terms of the order in which I'm covering these games, it was go. It will always be based on the FanDuel list. So that starts with the Thursday, then goes Sunday one, Sunday fours, Sunday night, Monday night. All websites are pretty much in that format, but some of them have different orders within those time windows. So if you're looking for a specific game on these slate breakdowns, maybe you really want to know what I'm saying about Buccaneers Vikings. I don't know why you want to know specifically about that one, but maybe you do. So you would like, you know, skip forward a little bit go to the FanDuel odds page, realize, oh, he's talking about Bengals, Browns right now. That means the very next one is going to be Vikings, Buccaneers. Or maybe I'm talking about Tennessee Titans versus Saints, and you're like, oh, I must have skipped it. Let me go back. So if you're looking for any one specific game, just use the FanDuel order and then use the timestamps to help you find that spot. All right, let's start this thing off. We are 10 minutes in, and we are officially starting the week one slate breakdown. Let's get it going. The Detroit Lions visit the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football to kick off the season, Thursday, September 7th, and two days from now. This line opened at Kansas City Chiefs minus 6.5. This line had moments where it was flashing to Kansas City Chiefs minus 7 bouncing back to 6.5. Some books haven't got seven. It has pretty much been a bouncing line where I was on the KC minus 6.5 because it was bouncing towards the seven. And we know seven is one of the key numbers, the second most important number in NFL outcomes that happens uh, north of 10% of the time. So if you could grab that key number and obtain closing line value through that spot, it obviously holds a positive expected value. So I had grabbed the KC minus 6.5 and I had also grabbed the over at 54 because it was bouncing up to 54.5 and we know 54 is... Kind of a key number on the totals. I mean, 51 is really the north of 50 key number. But if we're going to keep going higher and higher, like because some games will be priced there, 54 becomes the next one. So I had grabbed the 54 over because it was going to 54.5. I had grabbed the minus 6.5 because it was bouncing to 7. And then all of a sudden, about... Ten minutes before I started recording this podcast, we get practice news that Travis Kelsey has hyperextended his knee and is now uncertain. So now this line is bouncing. It's at Lions plus 5.5. The total is at 52.5. Major underaction, major Lions action coming in response to the Kelsey news. There's still some uncertainty. I think DraftKings still has this at 53.5 in the total. They do. And a plus minus six. So... There's so much uncertainty in this market right now, and I was even going to talk about how it's a bouncing market in general. So even though I have a few plays on this game, they now have negative closing line value and are now do not hold any positive expected value in the wagers. I got a little fucked by this injury news drop. So I would not recommend playing into this right now. I would not recommend playing it under since it's already lost its steam through the 54. I would not Go play the Lions because you're either playing a plus six when you could have had a plus 6.5, or you're even paying a plus 5.5 at some books like FanDuel right now, plus 5.5 for the Lions, juice to minus 115. So for week one in this very kickoff game, it's sad to say that I have, I advise a no bet situation. I advise coming back for the Wednesday pod and seeing how Mike and I break down this from a DFS or a prop perspective. Maybe there's some ways to get action in those markets, but just from a straight gambling perspective, I wouldn't really recommend this based on what's happening right now. The second game to talk about is the San Francisco 49ers at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm going to go in depth on this one. Not only because it has my biggest bets of the week, Steelers plus three and under 41 and a half, but also because This game is the perfect microcosm to understand so much and so many important things in the football sports betting world. So let's go in on this line right now and explain so much of what's happening right here. On the first bit, we have a spread that's at the most important number, which was the plus three. So we had talked What one podcast or two podcasts ago about key numbers and establishing teaser rules very clearly in the NFL three is the most important number. It occurs 15% of the time. It occurs two and a half times more often than the NBA lands on its most common number of seven. So in football and specifically for the three, there couldn't be a number that's more important in sports betting. So I grabbed the Steelers plus three for reasons I'll get into in a second, now that line's at 2.5. So if you've missed the movement through a key number like this, that becomes not playable or potentially being able to be used in a teaser. We, we established teaser rules. So this does now qualify as what's quote unquote, a Wong teaser leg. Shout out to Stanford Wong, the author of Sharp Sports Betting, who created a formula to explain moving teasers through key numbers in correlation with their implied odds and having certain spots that are valuable. So if you're taking the plus 2.5 and incorporating it in a six-point teaser and pushing that line up to plus 8.5, then that qualifies as a way to still be able to play this. We'll go through the rest of the board and see if we could find any second legs to add to this teaser and give you guys some options. But right now, it would be a no bet on the spread if you miss the plus three, and you could consider teasing it. Let's go over to the total. Very similar situations happening there. So this line opens at 41.5. 41 is the most important uh, NFL total number. It now sits at 40.5 at most books. And even beyond that, actually, DraftKings still has it at 41 momentarily. This is because the Joey Bosa uncertainty. Is he actually going to play or the 49ers going to get that contract done? It seems like they were going to get that contract done all off season. And now we're really getting down to the wire and it's still not completed. So is Bosa going to play week one is the reason why there's a little bit of movement and some 41s flashing on the board. I still recommend taking the under 41 for this game on DraftKings. I wouldn't go as heavy into it since I have the 41.5. It was a full 1.5 unit play. If you're seeing it at 41, you go one unit or you go three quarters of a unit on it because you don't have the value of that added hook, but you still likely have CLV to the rest of the market on a key number. So I actually still advise playing the under 41 at DraftKings right now, and I do think it universally becomes uh, 40.5. The other thing I want to talk about with this game, two more things actually. We're going deep on this one. Three more things actually. Let's go through them all together. One at a, What am I saying? We're going through them one at a time. There are three more things to cover for this game. And one is a betting trend. So months ago, I recorded a podcast called The Six Different Types of Sports Gamblers in the Market. And we discussed these things called betting trends. Now, I'm not the biggest trends better, But when one trend pops up and is incredibly successful and has a very large database to, to support it, then at that point I could buy in. And on this case, it's something called rah, rah, Tomlin. It's the idea that Mike Tomlin as a home underdog is something asinine, like 20 and two against the spread. So in a situation where you have a week one home game where you're getting points and you have the trend of a home dog, Mike Tomlin, one of the greatest coaches in football in the sport where coaching matters the most, right? With two young quarterbacks in this game, play towards the coaching edge, play towards the defensive edge. And I really loved the grabbing Tomlin and the Steelers plus three. So that was playing into a betting trend. That's one thing we need to talk about. Second thing we need to talk about is correlating um, spreads and totals because this game had a low total at 41.5 originally and started moving down towards the under. We knew this was going to be a low scoring game. So for that reason, it makes it harder for the 49ers to cover a spread if there's less total points scored in the game. Now, with a spread as low as three or two point five now, and there still being a 41 on the board, these things aren't like overly correlated. But the um, you want to you want to take into consideration. There's certainly another spot we'll get into with this where if you're playing under a low number, then you also really like the dog. If you like over a big number, then you could really like the favorite in that spot. So there's correlated value between playing the under and playing the Steelers right now. You could use this in a teaser. I recommend playing the 41 on the under. Um, I recommend skipping the bet if you've missed the 2.5 and you don't want to tease it. And the last thing I want to talk about, we're playing into this because the betting trend and because of reverse line line movement. Now, RLM is three of my favorite uh, letters in sports betting. It comes behind ROI and CLV, and RLM might be the third favorite three-combo sports betting terminology. RLM stands for reverse line movement, and we are seeing that heavily in this game. This is a situation where the publics are going against the Sharps. We have 68% of the bets. These are the betting splits coming in on the San Francisco 49ers, but only 57% of the bet handle or the money. So we're seeing 32% of the bets and 43% of the money and the on the Steelers. The bigger bets on this game, a.k.a. the sharp money, a.k.a. the smart money, is on the Steelers. And even though this game has taken in 57% of money on the San Francisco side, They're still moving that line down and they're giving you better 49ers odds. The sports book right now is inviting you even more so to come bet on the 49ers. They're like, oh, damn near 70% of you want to put damn near 60% of your money on the 49ers. Bring it on. And to me, I notice the sports book hiding its vulnerability in that Steelers line. And to me, it says, dude, exactly the opposite. You want to bet the Steelers in this game. You do not want to find yourself betting the road favorite 49ers in a public spot against a home underdog amazing coach in a game where it's trending towards the other under. That would be a disaster. So we have trends betting. We have RLM. We have correlated spreads and totals. And we have the most important numbers all over this game. And that's why we just did it for like seven minutes on the pod. Let's move on to the Carolina Panthers-Atlanta Falcons game. This one will be quick because if you haven't bet this game, you have no option to bet it. This line opened Falcons minus 2.5. It was there very momentarily. Flash to minus 3. I grabbed the Falcons minus 3. It's now universally at Falcons minus 3.5. We all know that the Atlanta Falcons are the darling of the Vegas brains this uh, summer and going into the season. And on the flip side, the Carolina Panthers, everyone seems to be fading after their disastrous preseason. So the Falcons are the clear right side. But if you've missed the 2.5 and missed the 3, there's no way you could play a minus 3.5 comfortably. And then, again, let's correlate that to the total. This total opened at 43 and has come down to 39.5. So there's been three and a half points of movement towards the under. So for that reason, you can't follow a take the Falcons to cover a more than the key number on the three while the game is probably going to have like 38 points scored in this game. We're really looking at like a 21 17 way of eking out a minus 3.5 win on the spread. If you're taking it. So watch that actually land exactly where it is, but I'm on the Falcons minus three. And that's where I would advise uh, being that's like kind of the only place. If you don't have bets on this game, It is a clear, 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 clear avoid. Let's talk about the Texans visiting the Baltimore Ravens. This is the largest spread on the game. We have a deep, deep money line favorite here. Ravens minus 560. That's unplayable. We have the Ravens as a minus 10 point home favorite. This line opened at like 9.5 and bounced to 10. I think it's 10 everywhere in the market. We know 9.5 is completely irrelevant. And we know 10 becomes very important right? 10 is like a top five most common outcome in NFL. 9.5 is like the one of the least common out. Obviously, 9.5 has never happened. But nine itself is a very uncommon outcome in football. So the movement to minus 10 is very important. So if you've missed that, then this is a clear no bet situation. Of course, you'd have to be laying points on a favorite with a low total. I mean, this has a 43.5 in the total. Let me see where that one first opened it opened at 45 so again it's trending towards the under and then you'd have to play a large favorite like no you could contrarian angle and play Texans plus 10 but of course grabbing points and taking points week one is generally the smart thing to do but I I just have no bets on this game. I don't want to take C.J. Stroud in his first game. I don't want to fade Harbaugh in a season kickoff where he's really good. Of course, D'Amico Ryan's on the Texan side, his first game ever. So there are reasons why this spread is so deep. I think if you're playing in a survivor pool, Ravens become quite an obvious public choice. Uh, I think they'll be probably the heaviest bet team in that realm. So that's kind of how I would play it. Maybe there are some prop angles or some DFS plays to throw in there. But from a betting perspective, it seems like an avoid from the spread. It seems like an avoid from the total. Let's go over the Bengals versus Browns. The Browns are a home underdog two point five of 2.5 points, a total of 47.5. The total has stayed at 47.5 the entire time. The spread has moved a little bit, but it was moved in relation to the Burrow injury news. So this line opened at Browns plus 2.5. It went as low as Browns plus one, Bengals minus one because Burrow had strained his calf and we were, there was a lot of uncertainty. So once Burrow was actually deemed healthy and getting back to practice and it was just a calf strain and it wasn't an Achilles and there wasn't fear of a grade two something, it was grade one. So Burrow's been able to show that he's actually healthy and this line has climbed back to minus 2.5. I actually, while I don't have any bets here. My eyes are on this Browns with the points. I think grabbing a division home underdog, Bengals and Browns are in the same division. You have a home underdog where you can grab points, but not having the key number of the three kind of bites. So this triggers my alarm bells to say, wait a second. Here lies another potential Wong teaser leg. To take the Browns and push them up to plus 8.5 would definitely work in conjunction with, with taking that Steelers line and pushing that to plus 8.5. Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Minnesota Vikings. This line opened at 6.5. It's pretty much at six everywhere right now. Another game where I have absolutely no bets on. I want to check on the total. The total opened at 46 and it's at 45.5 so we're seeing half a point of movement towards the under, half a point of movement towards the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is in line with my preseason priors of fading the Minnesota Vikings this season, but I also think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a sinking ship in their own right. So uh yeah, I I I I can't get behind playing anything in this game. You've you could either There's no key numbers to play around. There's no important totals to play with right here. This is just a major avoid. Let's see what Baker does with his new squad. Let's see if Kirk Cousins is still doing really well, even though they took away some of his weapons. So this is kind of a sit back and see. I am on the uh, Eagles minus six in week two against the Vikings already. It's a Thursday night short week football game. So I'm already on the Eagles for that game. Now I think it makes me feel better about my week two position seeing steam come against the Vikings in week one. So that's kind of the only way I'm angling this, but that's an avoid situation for me. The commanders are playing against the Cardinals. And for me, this is a spot I absolutely love. Absolutely love. I grabbed the minus 6.5 with a Thor's hammer. Like I went in on this 6.5 line it is now minus seven across the board everywhere. I'm still okay with taking the minus seven, which is minus 110 at DraftKings right now, and still playing it for a unit. I'm okay even possibly using this in a teaser, because even though it does not qualify for a Wong teaser leg right now, I have utmost confidence that this moves to 7.5 or 8 by tip-off, in which case it would qualify for a Wong teaser at that point. So, If you have the indicators in the market to show something's going to qualify, no reason not to take it now and grab the better line value that exists. So you could tease the minus seven down in conjunction with some of the other things that we've talked about. Uh, I'm a proponent of just playing the minus seven. The reason why it might stick there is because this total has been coming down. It opened at 40.5. We know 40 is an important number. We know 38 is an important number. It's now hovering around 38.5. So it's moving between the key numbers and going down to the next key number. So again, it's going to be hard for the commanders to cover a seven-point win and win by more than a touchdown if the game only has 38 points scored in it, right? We get back to this 21-17 example. That's the 38-point game. There's other combinations too, 24-14. And then the commanders cover. So let's root for a 24 14 in this one in the commanders cover. I think if you're playing in a survivor pool, commanders make for an absolutely excellent choice. That will be my choice in survivor pool. And I think in a DFS space, commanders make for an excellent choice on defense. They're going against the Cardinals, whether it's Clayton Toons or Josh Dobbs. I think it's going to be Clayton Toons. Uh, this, this game is priced at 38.5 in the total. So grab the home team defense. In a game going under where they're a large favorite, that makes a lot of sense in the DFS space. Don't be surprised if we're saying the Washington Commanders are our DFS defense for week one. The Tennessee Titans are playing against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, in New Orleans, it is a minus three-point game for the Saints. I think they opened at a 3.5. It is now down to three. I grabbed the Titans plus 3.5 at minus 115 on Caesars, you can still find Titans plus three at minus 105. So the difference in that you're paying for the VIG, the 3.5 at minus 115 is slightly more valuable because that hook is worth more than 10 cents on the dollar. But the way it's priced right now, because you're getting minus 105 on the plus three, it is still playable. I, I, I think if it was at minus 110, I would just say skip it and avoid because this is changing the implied probability On a very like small scale level, you're like the difference between minus 110 and minus 15 is not that big of a deal. But if you're doing this on long term over time, those little differences start to add up. So at minus 105 playable, if you're seeing minus 110, skip it. Uh, Total in this game, open 42, it's coming down to 41.5. We know 40 and 41 are both key numbers. So I do think you can still play the 41.5 again. Smaller play because you're missing now the 42, which becomes a push number. But it's still playable because it hasn't moved through any key numbers. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars are visiting the Indianapolis Colts. The betting splits in this line suggest that there's massive public action on the Jaguars. I don't really know if there's much sharp action at all. I'll explain why in a second. But we have 85% of the bets and 88% of the handle on the Jacksonville Jaguars minus 4.5. I really, really think this moves to minus five universally. So while you would gain closing line value on the shift from 4.5 to five, I don't think it's actually worth it because obtaining that closing line value isn't that valuable, like isn't that great in the NFL. The five isn't like that much of a key number. So getting that spot isn't really worth it to me, especially when you're laying points, on a road favorite in division. You never want to do that. You never want to lay points in division week one with like road favorite. Like that's so dangerous on so many levels. It's the biggest clear avoid game to me. It's the same reason why I wouldn't play the Bengals. The Bengals are road favorites in division. It's a reason why I wouldn't play the Bills. They are a road favorite in division. It's the reason why I wouldn't play the Cowboys. They are a road favorite in division. We have a bunch of those spots popping up for this game. I'm not going to lay that I'm not going to lay points between division rivals in a week 1 situation where we don't know much and we're going on preseason priors. These teams play each other really well. These coaching staffs get to know each other really well cuz they see each other two times a year and maybe in the playoffs a third time. So those are like avoid situations for me pretty thoroughly. Uh, The Rams-Seahawks is another in-division avoid spot for me, even though the Seahawks are the home favorite, and even though this does relate similar to the line I just talked about, because I do think Cooper Cup is going to be ruled out for this game, and that's going to push this line from minus 5.5 to 6. Obviously, the 6 becomes the third most important number, so obtaining that closing line value is good, but I I don't want to lay five and a half with an in division week one situation. Like even though they are at home and even though I think this Rams team absolutely sucks, the Rams are well, these are two well-coached teams, Rams and Seahawks, whether it's McVay or Pete Carroll, like they know each other really well. They're going to see, they've seen each other for years and years and years on end. They're two of the longest tenured coaches in the league, even though McVay is really young. So like, It's an avoid situation. I have no bets on that game. Let's go to the Eagles Patriots. I have a large bet on the under 46. It now sits at 45.5 in some places and 45 others. If you're seeing a 45.5, it's playable to a smaller degree. If you're seeing a 45, it's probably just an avoid. Um, We are also seeing some serious sharp action come in on the New England Patriots. So uh, I know that there's certainly some. Sharp syndicates on the Patriots. That's much has been made a fact to me. Uh, This line opened at plus 4.5, is now down to 3.5, four at some books, but the under movement and the home underdog are definitely correlated. The Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. Now, Mike, you're a better and you're going to talk about the Super Bowl hangover and this thing that we talk about in the stories and conjecture and grandeur. Is that like really? an applicable thing to the betting community? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. In fact, Billy Walters, the goat of sports gambling, recently came out with a book gambler and in it there's this little nugget of wisdom that says he actually takes off 2 points per game on the spread for the first 4 weeks. 4 the Super Bowl loser. He actually has a way to quantify the early season results of a Super Bowl hangover. And certainly a week one spot where the Eagles are playing this year counts as that. So I like the Patriots under in this spot. I don't, I'm don't. i not playing the spread, but I do like the under. If you can grab a 45.5 and if it exists anywhere, it does on DraftKings, then I do think it's worth playing a little bit on. All of me is having a hard time avoiding the Raiders Broncos situation. Now, Similar, we have an in-division game where I just want to take the points. I just think both of these teams are high question marks. We have the Broncos, so the Russ question marks, the the Javante, is he healthy, versus P. Ryan question marks, The how much is the impact of Sean Payton? He said it's going to take him a few years to write the ship. Uh, it's like, what is this Denver Broncos team doing? On the other side, the I'm, I'm kind of into fading the – the narrative on the Raiders. The narrative on the Raiders has been Jimmy G's health has been uncertain. We remember what happened with the physical. Josh Jacobs had a holdout and he wasn't happy being franchise tagged. And Devontae Adams was being outspoken that he didn't like the direction the team was headed. Well, now we come into the season and they're zero and zero. And they were really bad in one score games where they can get better and, and cover those this year. And they returned the same five offensive linemen. So Josh Jacobs, who's back in the building after the franchise tag and that situation got sorted out should be really freaking good again this year. Right? Like we have the Raiders defense pretty much returning the same core. It's tough to say that the Raiders aren't going to be a much improved team. Jimmy G is healthy. He passed his physical and he's 53 and 21 lifetime as a starter. Dude's a born winner. So I do think the Raiders are certainly playable. Plus four is a minus 105 on FanDuel. Check out for my x.com to see if I post any one of those plays. There's definitely part of me that thinking I'm going to take action on the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Let's go over the Packers Bears situation. The Packers have everyone and their mom's smart money on them. They are another, like the Falcons, darling of the offseason from the betting community. People are loving this Jordan Love led team with actually a bunch of good skill position players, a really good defense, a strong offensive line with some emerging young talent on the outside and some stable talent, you know, in the running back field between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. So it's tough right now. I think it becomes unplayable. You were able to get the Packers plus 2.5 and potentially grab a hook or tease it up to 8.5. You could still tease this with the Packers plus 1.5. It does qualify as a Wong teaser leg. So with this game moving towards the under, I actually have a bet on the over 44. It's dropped to 43.5. So this now carries a negative CLV ticket. Definitely a bet. I would not recommend people tail. Uh, I'm gonna have to get lucky and hope Justin Fields breaks some big runs and that you know Jordan Love really structurally runs down his offense well. But there seems to be some late fading of the Bears because the Bears seem to be a little bit of a public darling, and there's definitely a strong sense of Packers backing in the market right now. So right now the numbers seem to me like an avoid situation. The plus 1.5 on FanDuel does qualify as potentially a wonk teaser leg if you want to take the Packers up. And given that it's a division game with going towards the under, it it would be nice to grab, you know, a nice size plus points on a low total. Those things will be correlated. Let's talk about the Dolphins visiting the Chargers. This is another great game to talk about. There's a lot of angles here that we can cover. This game opened at a minus 2.5. It's now out to minus three. So it moved through or it moved to a very important number. This is likely movement because of not only money, that's come in, but injury news. Let me check on these splits for this game real quick. We have 44% of the bets on the Chargers and 52% of the money. So there's definitely um, the, the sharp money on the Chargers, but it's also injury related. We've seen Tyron Armstead get dinged up in camp, the left tackle for the Dolphins, who's absolutely amazing. And the pressure rates for Tua without Armstead in the lineup are staggeringly high, like north of 45%. It's really scary stuff for Tua. Um Jeff Wilson, the running back, placed on IR. A-chain, the other running back, I think he's going to be out as well. Um, so it's like Mostert and Salvin Ahmed running backs for the Dolphins. So the, uh, Jalen Ramsey seems to be hurt and going to miss a chunk of time. So there's Definitely some question marks in terms of injury concerns on the Dolphin side. I think that's very playable for the Chargers right now. There's not only smart money, but there's injury reasons, too, to support this. And this game is being sharp towards the over. This total opened at 49.5. It's now up to 50.5 and juiced the over at that. So, again, we could correlate a large total that's moving towards the over with a much easier ability for the Chargers to win by three in that game. So I think Chargers minus three is still playable. Let's cover the Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants. I actually think this is a great example of buybacks happening in the market. The Dallas Cowboys opened as a minus 2.5 favorite, and now it's out to Cowboys minus 3.5, Giants plus 3.5. And we're starting to see some reverberation or some comebacks in the market where the plus 3.5s are starting to dry up down to plus 3 or be juiced to like minus 115 like it is on FanDuel right now. What I think is happening is sharp groups grabbed the minus 2.5 and then those same sharp groups grabbed the plus 3.5 in a buyback. We've talked about how if you're hitting lines with minus 110s on both sides, you're essentially setting up a 5% implied probability situation for a middle where you'd get a 20 to 1 payout. But in real terms with this game, if three happens 15% of the time, and if the favorite wins in the NFL 67% of the time, then the chance that this game ends Cowboys minus three is certainly north of that 5%. So this a clear grab both lines, buy them back against each other, and carry positive expected value of a middle. It's a small middle, but it's the most important number that exists in sports betting. So, not a bad not a bad little way to, you know, tickle in the waters of those Cowboys giants. Let's go over Bills Jets, the other New York team, or the other two New York teams. We have the Bills as a minus 1.5 open, moving out to minus 2.5. Smart money definitely on the Buffalo Bills for this game. I cannot play it because that would be fading a home underdog in week one in division. I think there's questions surrounding both these teams. I do like the stability of the Bills. That comes in a little bit more than the newness of the Jets. However, it's really hard for me to play a in-division, you know. I do think the Jets would qualify as a teaser to tease this up to 8.5. But again, I still don't even know if I want that because I, I lean Bills in my heart but I can't play Bills because of the situation. So this is a great example of sometimes the the winning bet is a no bet. Uh, so that reviews every single game on the board when we do it in like 35, 30 minutes. Um, the key things that we were looking out for was that Steelers 49ers game. So much good juice in there from a DFS perspective. The games that we're playing are the ones that are angling towards the over or have large totals, or we can support, the running back on a team with a large spread. So let's start segueing this over to DraftKings. I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and record breaking down the high spend options on the DraftKings week one Sunday DFS slate. Give me a minute. All right, everybody took a little break. Nice little 15 minutes for me. Use the bathroom, grab the coffee. Gave my dog a hug. But of course, some podcast editing makes that transition happen in just a matter of seconds for you guys. But let's take this discussion over to the second part of the episode, which is going to be going through the DFS slate for Sunday and breaking down the high priced players on the board. Again, we know on Tuesdays, shout out Travis Kelsey generally who's healthy for that week. And we could talk about which matchups we want to prioritize in getting our studs at the top of the board. Uh, for week one, it is going to be a little harder to determine value spots because there are going to be less injuries that happen, which is a good thing in the real world. It's a bad thing in the DFS space because value hunting is a big part of the success that we will have here. But for week one, We're going to have to consider playing maybe less superstars and going a less stars and uh, studs and scrubs approach and going more middle tier guys. So we're going to go through either the everyone priced over $7,000 or the top five players in their position. On the board. So let's start with the quarterback. The highest priced quarterback on this board for this week one slate is Lamar Jackson at $8,000. We don't have Patrick Mahomes because he's playing on Thursday night. We don't have Josh Allen because he's playing on Monday night. We do have Jalen Hurts who comes in number two on the board. We'll get to him in a second. But Lamar plays against the Houston Texans. We've talked about him being a 10 point favorite in what should be a new spread offense. I'm a little bit hesitant to play Lamar. I will not be playing Lamar Jackson in this spot because not only is it the highest price quarterback, but last season, the Texans were just so bad that opposing quarterbacks weren't even scoring fantasy points against them because they just ran the ball all over. So maybe we'll nab like a Dobbins and go for a value option or a mid-tier price option on a Ravens running back. That could be a very intriguing angle to that game, but I don't think I want to be grabbing Lamar Jackson. Let's go over Jalen Hurts. We said for this game that the total was grabbed under at 46 in a big way by me. I still recommended grabbing the under 45.5. And now Hertz comes in on the DraftKings board at 7.8K. And to be honest, even though I was fading the Eagles in this game one situation, that price is genuinely like really fair for a guy like Hertz. He's a rushing quarterback. He had 18 rushing touchdowns in 18 games last season. Generally, the New England Patriots struggle with protecting rushing quarterbacks. That's been one of the downsides of Belichick's defenses throughout the years. Shout out to Josh Allen, always carving up the Patriots. Um, however, it's it's really tough. It's like I'm going to have to talk to some of the other guests that I have on later this week and ask them how they feel about the Hurts situation at 7.8K. It's not a game script situation that I like, but it is such a stud player at a really fair price, like really fair. Let's go to Justin Fields, 7.7K. We talked about everyone and their mom fading the Bears, Bears being the public play and all the smart money being on the Packers at 7.7K right at the beginning of the season. I do want to like see it a little bit more. Uh, to start the season from fields and to immediately pay up for it in a divisional game right away against a team with a really good defense. The Packers were like top 5 in defensive points allowed throughout the back half of last season. They got really good. They went on that little run as Rodgers tried to rattle off enough wins to make the playoffs. They ultimately lost I think week 17 to the Lions that was <laughs> the Detroit Lions Super Bowl last year. Um so yeah, I'm going to skip the Fields play this year. I mean not this year, this week. I think 7.7K in this matchup is too expensive. I'd much rather just play Hertz for $100 more. Joe Burrow. I am definitely not playing Joe Burrow as well. Again, Cincinnati Bengals are visiting the Cleveland Browns, where they're a road favorite of two and a half points, a game coming down towards the under, and I even lead towards the Browns in that game. Burrow coming off strained calf injury. Let's see him in action a little bit before. We also have the Browns. I know this is a last season stat, but number one in opponent rank against the quarterback last year, giving up the least fantasy points against quarterbacks. And I think their defense got better. I mean, Miles Garrett, total game wrecker. They added Zadarius Smith to give him a little help on the defensive line to create more pressures. Miles Garrett not only had 18 sacks last year, but he was the most double teamed defensive tackle in the NFL. So he's going to face more single pressures or single coverages this year and his pressure rate should even go higher. That might be bad news bears for Joe Burrow. Uh Justin Herbert rounds out the top 5. He comes in just under 7000 at 6900. And we talked about this for the uh Chargers Dolphins game. This game is going towards the over with smart money on the Chargers. That makes Justin Herbert very clearly, a very very, you know, high leverage play at a DFS setting. There's there's a good chance that Justin Herbert or or Jalen Hurts at this point are my Week One quarterback choices. I love Herbert in the spot. I love the way the totals moving. I love the fact that they brought in Kellen Moore and his A dot his average depth of target, a great uh, quarterback wide receiver stat that we used. Herbert should be throwing the the ball downfield more. And that's under the new offensive regime of Kellen Moore. And he has his wide receivers healthy and he's healthy. So like he took a rib shot earlier last year and then Keenan Allen or Mike Williams seemed to always be hurt. And he was throwing the ball to Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter and Gerald Everett. That's Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler, and the new rookie Quinton Johnson this year. So Herbert comes into this game fully loaded, Herbie fully loaded. And uh, I think Herbert is a very, 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 very strong play. I will probably have him in the core for show on Saturday. Let's transition over to the running backs. Christian McCaffrey, my man, CMC, run CMC, comes in highest priced option at 8.7K. We know this game is going towards the under and going towards Pittsburgh in the gambling market. But I honestly think McCaffrey's a little bit immune to that stuff. I mean, he's such a volume workhorse in the pass script and the run script. He's kind of game script proof. The total moving down isn't great because if it's a slower game with less total points scored, that will inherently limit the upside. So I don't think I'm going to be playing into McCaffrey at this high price week one. But I have no bad things to actually say about McCaffrey. You might rather a guy like Austin Eckler, especially in a... Full PPR where you could stack it with Herbert. I don't ideally love the running back quarterback stack in general, but when you're picking off guys like Herbert Eckler in a full point PPR situation, that combo starts to work out a little bit more in your favor. So 8.4K in a game, high total, and he's an absolute superstar who has a nose for the end zone and can catch the ball, should be in a great offense this year. I think Eckler makes for a good choice. Nick Chubb also makes for a great choice. He's the taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. He's that home underdog in division that I really like. I think that Browns are going to really run hard. Their offensive line is outstanding this year. Hopefully Deshaun Watson's a little better, which opens up more space for Chubb to operate out of the box and he faces less eight man fronts. But I mean, nothing bad to say about Nick Chubb 8.2 K It'll, it'll be a situation of how do we fit these prices into our lineup, and we'll shake that out later this week when we start discussing some value options and doing core four. But, yeah, it's going to be hard for me to talk about anything bad about Nick Chubb right now. Let's go over Bijan Robinson. I love the Atlanta Falcons this year. I love the Atlanta Falcons in week one. Uh, Bijan should have all the opportunity in the world to be an absolute superstar. I just kind of want to see it a few times first. Now, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Bijan's an absolute slate breaker, someone who's a great option in a GPP contest, someone who could like really pop off immediately week one and be one of the highest priced guys in week two and moving forward. I think that's very, very possible. But I also think that they have Algier and they have Patterson and they have two other good and proven running backs in that particular system. And they have a Russian QB in Desmond Ritter. So like, let me wait and see what the Bijan usage looks like before I spend up to play it right now. Jonathan Taylor is out, so we will skip him. And then, actually, we're just going to cover all the 7,000. So we have three more of them. Derrick Henry going against the Saints. Derrick Henry is a minus 155 to score an any time touchdown. Minus 155. That correlates to a 60.78% implied probability that Derrick Henry gets in the end zone this weekend. A 61% chance that that boy scores a tutty? I mean, that makes him a very optionable play. I am on the under in that game. I am on the Tennessee Titans in that game. So I think Derrick Henry at 7.8 is definitely a valuable valuable option. He at any point can have a 130-yard two-touchdown game. Uh, Josh Jacobs comes in next. I will not be playing Josh Jacobs this week. Just because you don't know, coming back from a little bit of a lengthy holdout and contract dispute, is he going to get full workload week one? Is he going to have his full legs under him? Is Zamir White going to get a little extra carries? They are going against a vaulted and vaunted Denver defense. So... Even though I'm a big supporter of Josh Jacobs this season, like the like that he's playing for another contract, like the fact that he has a winning quarterback, like that he has a big name receiving threat, like the fact that he's returning all five starting offensive linemen, so I really like Josh Jacobs this year. I'm not going to be playing into it week one. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is the last over seven thousand dollar candidate. Now he's very interesting to me because I don't know if Zeke is going to be fully incorporated yet, and I. Do think Mac Jones takes a big leap this year. And if Ramondre's back in that 70% of carries and like a 15% target share type of volume, he is super duper elite. Now, it's going to be hard to fit in a $7,000 price tag in a game that's going under against a great Philly defense. If I'm playing Jalen Hurts, then I'm not going to be playing Ramondre on the flip side. That would make no sense to play a rushing quarterback opposing one of the other running backs. You want to avoid that stack at all costs. But on an individual basis, I mean, Ramondre is a monster. That's why we call him Ramonster. Simple as that. So I like Ramondre. Not sure if I'm playing him this week. Let's cover the wide receivers. Jay Jetta's is at the top, 8.8K. He is the highest priced player on the board in its entirety. Um, I said the Minnesota Vikings are a team that I'm fading heavily this season. So I'm not going to be playing Justin Jefferson week one. We're seeing the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers line moved to six. We're seeing this line move half a point towards the under. With all that being said, I mean, this is Justin Jefferson in week one in the dome. I'm not sold on Minnesota yet. They're like, if there's any spot to play Justin Jefferson, this is one of them. I don't think I'm going to be playing much Justin Jefferson this year. Maybe I'll be wrong and move on from my preseason priors pretty quickly. You never want to stay too beholden to those once the real games kick off. But my inkling says it's not... uh Justin Jefferson based. Let's go through Tyreek Hill, uh, 8.2 K really like Tyreek. I could definitely strongly see myself playing Tyreek in this week. If you're playing the Herbert combo, if you're playing Herbert and a Chargers receiver, then it, or Herbert and a Gerald Everett, then it makes a lot of sense to throw in a Tyreek. It makes a lot. Let's include Jalen Waddle in this. It makes a lot of sense to include a Jalen Waddle. He's also 7,100. So we were going to talk about him on this very podcast. Using these Dolphins receivers in an opposing stack to the quarterback that you're choosing in a game going towards the over is a very smart decision. That is a plus expected value stack. Some of the things that we do here on the DFS today and the Advantage podcast for you guys, we explain those things and simply correlating those values, whether you're playing a cash contest where you're playing a GPP contest. If it hits, it increases your chance on winning in a very big way. Jamar Chase. 8,100. If I'm not playing Burrow and I'm scared off, if I'm scared off by the road favorite situation, if I'm scared off by the under trend and the, actually the total hasn't moved, if I'm scared off by like just the fact that I think Cleveland's going to be such a run-heavy team, I don't think I want to play Jamar Chase Week 1. Let's see Burrow look really good and let's wait for a matchup where we're really ready to, to take this one to the house. Devontae Adams going against Denver. I know I said I'm very in on the Raiders this season and I know I said I'm in on Josh Jacobs, Definitely not in on Devontae Adams from a week one perspective against Denver. He has a new quarterback and he's going up against Patrick Sertain. Now, if you go look at the press conferences and the game that happened last year between the Raiders and the Broncos, Devontae Adams absolutely burned Sertain to have a game winning touchdown and then said in the post-game interview, like he's good, but he ain't good enough yet. So I think this is a very fun matchup to watch. I'm not going to be playing into it from a DFS perspective, but you bet your ass I'm going to have my eyes all over the Devontae versus Patrick Sertain uh, battle that's happening this weekend. A.J. Brown going against New England. If I do play Jalen Hurts, then playing an A.J. Brown combo makes a little bit of sense. Let's include Devonta Smith. Playing that wide receiver quarterback stack makes a lot of sense, especially in a GPP tournament where you're looking for upside. So uh, I don't love... Going against the New England defense, they should have an amazing secondary, amazing defensive line. I think they're one of the best defenses in the NFL. They have a very difficult schedule, but week after week, the the New England defense should show up. Best coached unit in the NFL, probably. Uh, If you play Jalen Hurts, then then that's interesting. I don't know where I'm going to go. The more I talk it through, I lean more towards a Justin Herbert and Tyreek Hill over a A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts combo. Keenan Allen definitely fits into that same Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddle conversation. You could just simply stack Keenan Allen with Herbert and grab all those full point DraftKings PPR points, especially with Jalen Ramsey a little dinged up. Who's the Who's the corner that's going to be covering Keenan Allen? Is he just going to be feasting off of like Xavier and Howard? I think that's the, the the number two quarter for the Dolphins. Apologize if I get that wrong. But yeah, that becomes a very interesting option. The last 7K guy that we're talking about is DK Metcalf, uh home favorite against the Rams. The Rams defense is going to be so bad this year, so I do think DK is a nice GPP target play because the Seahawks line is probably going to keep climbing to that minus 6. We're having we're not seeing much movement towards the under in that game. I do think you can take DK if you just want to take a shot at a guy that like there's a chance that DK Metcalf in any game has, you know, Ten catches, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. And then if you add in the caveats of like JSN was a little bit dinged up. I think he had a hand surgery in the off like in the offseason in camp. It was a really minor one, and he's back. But who knows if he's up to speed, getting full snaps in Week One. As that wide receiver room gets more crowded, it's going to be harder to play DK. He's going to have to come down in price from being in a seven thousand dollar talk about him on a Tuesday pod kind of guy. He'd have to be a Thursday pod kind of guy. So. This will be one of the few weeks I imagine you could play DK Metcalf. Just go Google image DK Metcalf and then you would be like, I'm putting this guy in my lineup. He has an eight pack and a six five. Uh, Let's go through the tight ends. I'm only going to do the top four tight ends because then the fifth is Tyler Higbee. And that's a big, big drop off. Uh, even, Even though if he becomes a value option, that's worth discussing. And so we'll get more into him if Cup is out on like the Thursday or Friday pod. Let's do Andrews, Hawkins, and Kittle-Goddard. These guys are all very great tight ends. Andrews, probably not going to play him, given the large spread towards the uh, Ravens and that they r- might run a lot, uh, that I'm not playing Lamar, so I'm not going to stack this situation. I do love Mark Andrews. I think the 6.2 price tag is actually really fair. If you have money for it, you can, but given this week, the fact that we might... Have difficulty finding value elsewhere, it might be harder to spend up at tight end. Now, that's because I actually like some of the later tight ends that we'll talk about later this week. But like a guy like Juwan Johnson, I would feel comfortable playing. TJ Hawkinson comes in at 5,900. Again, very intriguing because the matchup. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, historically horrible against tight ends, 29th in opponent rank last year. Hawkinson gets massive volume when he's with this Vikings team. So I'll, I'd take the Hawkinson. I think he's a very valuable, valuable play in week one, George Kittle, definite avoid for me. Um, he was very great with Purdy, but questionable in the games that had McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, and Iuke all healthy. So We're going to come into week one with that situation in a game going against a great defense with a lot of Pittsburgh backers in the market. So I would avoid Kittle this week. Dallas Goddard, probably another avoid. If you are playing Jalen Hurts, you could do a Goddard stack. So that becomes interesting to play it cheaper. But again, I'd probably rather the savings and taking Herbert and Gerald Everett. So we will get into value tight ends later this week. Defenses, let's talk about. Let's talk about all defenses later this week. This was a really long podcast. I think it's best we just cut it off now. I hope you guys enjoyed the week one slate breakdown. Remember, I'll be back all season long with some amazing content like this multiple times a week. Follow me on x.com at Picks. Subscribe to my Substack channel. Rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Send it to a friend. Join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. Uh... Yeah, you know where to find me. Oh, and join me on YouTube Sunday mornings. Bring your questions, and we will give you last minute sit starts, wagering advice, DFS plays, fantasy waivers, all that good kind of jazz. I will see you plenty this season, or you will see me plenty this season. Peace out.